Welcome, welcome, welcome. Once again to Dead Man Talking. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. You know, every time that I listen to this, I think I answer you the same way. I'm trying to come up with something really novel, but I can't think of anything. So I'm doing pretty good, Arnie. I hope you are. I am. I am. It's kind of a, you know, it's a little overcast, kind of dreary day today, but uh, I've had some coffee, had a little breakfast. Uh, You know, the day is good. There you go. The day is good. The day is young. We'll see what the rest of the day holds. Anything exciting? Uh, for today new? or the not? Well, yeah, Why? actually, you know what is exciting? My Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing in the Super Bowl at home. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as of this year? Well, you know, <laughs> I didn't realize this. So I'm, I, ta- you didn't up. realize Tampa had a team until this well, year. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> so, an interesting factoid I just found out a couple of weeks ago, uh, when Tampa when the playoffs started. So I've been a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. There really had not been much to be excited about in recent right. years. Uh, with uh, But that's that's what t- being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan is really all about. So uh, um, when we uh, moved to Florida back in the mid-late 70s, I became a fan. That was the first professional football game I ever went to was – as a matter of fact, I just remembered this. It was Tampa Bay versus Green Bay, the very first Tampa game I ever went to, uh, back in '78, maybe something like that. Very cool. But uh, anyway, they had not been in the playoffs since the Super Bowl year. The last time they hadn't even made the playoffs till this year. Wow, is that crazy? Yeah. That's been close to twenty years. I think a lot of people our age kind of liked. Tampa Bay, if you followed football, because they started when we were kids. Yeah, right? that's right. It was and a new they franchise. They had that really cool. I remember some stickers that came in cereal <laughs> boxes or something, and they had the coolest mascot with that pirate. Yeah, and all that, yeah, so. yeah. So anyway, that was probably about. Uh, other than church yesterday morning, that was about as exciting as my weekend. Got got to watch a little football. Not bad. Have somebody to root for in the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. So, but other than that, yeah, no, man. everything's. You know, kind of normal working. Good. Good, good. So, what do we? Uh, what do you want to talk about today, friend? Um, well, we've been kind of on a theme in a way: <clears throat> truth, light, and dark. Um, the idea of the mind, you know, and how do we get there? Uh, we, re- I think, we referenced that a little bit in the last um, two. Actually, uh, if if. You're one of our three listeners that have now expanded to. I thought we got to <clears> five <throat> already. Have we? Are we still at we three? We might be up to a dozen. You can just wow. You know, you know. One you can never, dream. One can you, dream. You, <laughs> you never, you never know. With the dozens and dozens uh, of uh, sponsors flooding in, no. Um, so it may not be posted for those who are listeners uh, already, and we appreciate you. We Absolutely. really do. Thank you, uh, and hope that it add something to your life or your thoughts about God, uh, particularly. So, um, in this last one that will be posted this week, um, I think we'll talk a little bit more about the mind. So we've had this kind of running theme going along with all these things, how we are looking at the world, how we got to where we are and, and how those things tie in all of that to say, I'm sitting on my couch watching television, and uh, there is a press conference that's happening with the new administration, and it is just saccharine, sugary, sweet. 
almost flirtatious. Jen Psaki, who is the new White House um, spokesperson, she is having her back and forth with the press. And boy, what a radically different picture uh, than the last four years. And like I said, it's almost flirtatious and it's just so nice. And and I'm sitting watching this and, and beyond the idea that there was uh, so very little uh, substance in it, it was just this idea of how sweet it was. And I thought, you know, there's probably a whole lot of people that are watching this and they're going, oh, that's how it should be. How nice. How, how nice is all of this? But what hit me as I sat there and watched it, I started getting almost, you know, tense. And I thought, this is a sham. This is pretend. This is play acting. This is, this is not a, and, and a CNN pundit came out later and said something called that kind of stuff, a return to normalcy. And I thought, you know what, as much as this is boiling my blood, it really is. It's a return to normalcy for humankind. And, and, and here's what I mean. We prefer things to appear nice and calm, whether underneath they are or not. We prefer the lie to the reality. We prefer the darkness to the light. Um, we feel like everything's okay. And so I started thinking about that, and I thought, okay, so here's some things uh, that are really happening. The Keystone Pipeline has been canceled. Thousands of people, 10 or 11,000 people immediately lost their jobs. 50 to 60,000 people will directly lose their jobs. <clears throat> and who knows how many trickle down from truckers to refinery workers to everything. So we've got thousands upon thousands that just in the stroke of a pen lost their jobs. Uh, they're stopping drilling permits. They're ending fracking. All of those kinds of things that have happened, thousands of people losing their job, returning to dependency on the Middle East, giving an advantage in the oil market to Russia and China and the OPEC conglomerates. But we're nice. Everything's okay. Cancel the border wall, rejoining of who, who, which delayed uh, letting us know about the <clears throat> coronavirus and cost us jobs and our economy and lives and everything else. Uh, the Iran nuclear deal, they've already launched missiles now toward near heading toward our naval ships, almost as if it's a test and the return to that. Uh, no deportation for 100 days, fast track to citizenship for people who jump the line in spite of the hundreds of people, thousands of people that are struggling in their countries trying to do it right and come. Um, counting illegals in our census so that they can redistrict political lines, zero condemnation of Antifa, uh, transgender mania, where now um, it's going to be a federal mandate that whatever bathroom you want to go in, you can go in, especially on political or state lands. And as far as I understand it, any male that declares as a female will now be able to participate in female athletics. And if that goes through, that will, that will kill the dreams of so many young ladies, but that's being promoted. Hyperfunding of abortion, not just Planned Parenthood, but other organizations that are going to be allowed to receive money for abortion, returning to funding international abortions for, with our taxpayer dollars and forcing employers to provide, uh, birth control, which is basically a form of abortion when you're talking about the morning after pill or whatever that may be. Uh, there's so many other things, mask mandates, 
uh, statements being made like, well, after telling us for months that, you know, there's a plan, we got a plan, Corona will be fixed. There's nothing we can do about Corona for the foreseeable future. <laughs> so there's all of that, all of that happening, lives being drastically affected. But that doesn't matter because the press conference is nice. Well, you know, and so regardless, I mean, Here's the reality. You and I live in South Knoxville, Tennessee, United States of America. So we live in a very conservative area politically. Uh, you know, that's just reality. So, but, but, but this is actual reality. So regardless where you uh, are, where your mindset, you're, you've come philosophically from a political standpoint, so most of the things that you just mentioned were uh, important value-wise to what we would call conservatives, people that were conservative politically. There's more to it than that. But that's my point is, regardless where you stand politically on those issues or anywhere else, it's not all right. So, so, uh, so if you're, if you cheer, if politically and everything you just mentioned, you cheer, yay, yeah. you know, we, all these things are getting done. It's still not okay. Cause the reality is, is here in America right now, we're, we're in a very polarizing country. We literally have like half the country believes one thing, half the country believes the polar opposite. So it's in and of itself is going to create turmoil. And so for the, the thought process of us to be able to say, ah, we're, we're all going to play nice and everything's beautiful. We're going to sing Ray Stevens song. Everything is beautiful. That's nonsense. That's nonsense, right? This is, that's, that's not reality. Yeah. And that's the thing. And and that's a great point. I mean, there's a lot of, politics in that. And I, and I want to kind of steer away from that and make sure that what, that what I'm communicating and focusing on are the aspects of it really should matter if people's jobs and livelihoods are taken away from them by no fault of their own. It really should matter about the transgender issues because I don't think we should discriminate as far as the way we treat people as Christians. Right. We no, treat no, them no. And I know you're saying that, yeah. but, but I'm saying that it is an issue for us as Christians because the confusion that is brought there, not just the angst or the anguish of, you know, I mean, heaven forbid, uh, if my daughter, if I had a daughter and she was in the restroom and a grown man came in on her. Absolutely. Uh, That's horrific. Nonsense. The idea, if I had a little girl who had trained and 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 strived to, to be really great in athletics and now all of a sudden a guy slaps on some lipstick and jumps in the wrestling ring with her. I mean, there, there's those tragedies, but the bigger issue is the confusion of what God has said, that there is male and there's female. Right. And we talked about that a little bit uh, last time. But then the, And then the idea of abortion. So if we take it from a Christian perspective, you've got the ideas of what they're doing, of what the, these policies will do to undermine the fabric of the family, of uh, gender, which right. is a very basic part of even the way that God expresses himself as the bride and the groom and those kinds of things, uh, and certainly life with abortion. So there's all of this darkness that's swirling underneath this. But I think even conservatives will watch the press conference and go, oh, because what they're saying is 
It's all under control. You know, you've had all this chaos now, but it's under control. Right. You know, daddy's in We office. just needed a, 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 a new administration to calm and to get rid of the turmoil. And, and that's just not reality. And we care about you and we are acting on your behalf in your best interest. And it's uh, a sickening charade. Yeah. But the thing that hit me, okay, so we can push push the politics part aside. What really came across to me in that is how what that says about our human nature. We love the charade. We're okay with the darkness. If we can't see the creepy crawlies that are out there, the monsters in the dark moving around like a roaring lion. The it's demons. okay if they're out there. I just don't want to see them. Yeah, I don't want to see them. And, and, if, and if I can hear a calming voice, then maybe I can imagine that they're not there. Um, in John chapter 3, after you get past, um, you know, the verse we all know, 3, 3.16, right? Uh, it <laughs> talks about the idea of condemnation, that condemnation has come. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So there's something in man that resonates with evil that prefers the darkness to not be able to see because it covers and masks not just their own heart, but the activities of the world so that they don't have to deal with it. The world prefers this darkness and this deception rather than dealing with reality. Well, here's something, another music reference <laughs> to go back in our old age. Uh, do you remember the song? I wear my sunglasses at night. <laughs> Corey Hart. <laughs> well, here's a song. <laughs> I wish y'all could see this. Arnie's blushing. He must have sang that in his ra in his car with the. Ra we're gonna we're gonna have to like have a song of the week. There you go. Oh yeah, flashback. Yeah. But but that's what that song is about. Is this guy who who knows that this woman is deceiving him, who is cutting out his heart, and rather than deal with that and face that, he is so enamored with what his his lusts desire that he puts on sunglasses at night so he can't see it. Yeah. And that is the human heart. That that's what we do. If if we if we see the demons, if we come to grips with the with the demons in our heart and, and what's going on and what reality is, then just being nice is not good. The devil said I, I disguise myself as an angel of light. I disguise myself as an angel of nice. <laughs> Yeah, and so and so we buy that, um, and if we don't, we have to face reality, we have to deal with the truth, and we have to realize that there's answers that are beyond just our base carnal lusts. Yeah, so uh, I, I that's the big interesting point of what you just said was so if we take the, the glasses off. If we flip the lights on, we see the monsters, we see the creepy crawlers, we see all the, then we only have one choice. We got to deal with that stuff. If we blind ourselves to it, close our eyes to it, turn our back to it, we don't ever have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And we can fumble around in the dark. So, and here's the big picture. Now, I'm, I hesitate to even use this illustration because I want to clarify, I am not comparing the two. 
Okay, <laughs> so let's look at, at our political situation. You have, forget that it's Donald Trump. Forget that. Through history, there have been other political figures, right? So a political figure comes along, and because they are forthright, uh, we used to say it this way, a statesman versus a politician. So a statesman comes along, and in effect, what the statesman does is flip on the lights. So no matter what you think about Donald Trump, or he was a meanie, 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 weenie, you know, he said ugly words. So no matter what you think about him, what he in effect did was turn the light on a an incredibly corrupt political right. swamp, no matter what side you're on. Yeah. Uh, a, a an incredibly corrupt media, an incredibly corrupt big tech uh, system. And so you have all of these things that are driving toward political agendas that that really are veiled in the dark. So all those things. So here he comes on, he flips on. So what do you have to do? Shoot the messenger. Right. Turn off the light. Get the lights off. We don't want to see this. Exactly. We don't want to see how our pet politician that we love and been voting for for, you know, double digit years and that they're really part of a corrupt system and take you know we want to like them we want to feel good about our our elected officials yeah don't besmirch the guardians of our darkness <laughs> i love that don't 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 soil the name of the guardians of our darkness we like it like this. We don't, we, there's a part of us. We really don't want to know yeah. that it's messed up. We don't want to know. I want to feel good about it. I don't want to know what I, I want to, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so here's the thing. So That's again, here's where I don't want the illustration to be the same, but here's yeah. what sparked me. Because one of the things that I, that we've said all along in this is that what we want to do is look at our world and how does it really relate to spiritual things? How do we see those dynamics playing in each other? So what is the ultimate picture of that? Jesus. Jesus comes to earth. He is the light. And the darkness didn't get it. The John 1, the darkness doesn't comprehend it, doesn't get it, even though, as we saw in Romans, that the, that the creation has already screamed and placed an understanding in the heart of man, but, but the darkness doesn't get it, doesn't absorb it, doesn't comprehend it. And then later in John 3 that I just mentioned, why? Because its deeds are evil, so we love. So here's what we love. We like darkness that is nice. We like darkness that looks like light, so that we can doze off and go back to sleep. Why do, and again, forget political parties. It's it's the forces of the world yeah. that want us to buy this nice so that we will doze off and go back to sleep and that the world can continue to work its evil underneath this guise of light and good. Well, let's take that a step further. There, there are churches that refuse to talk about sin and, uh, and they just want to talk about the goodness of everything. Oh, yeah. Instead of the one thing that keeps us and separates us from the God that we supposedly uh, gather together in churches to seek, the one thing that separates us from that guy, 
many churches refuse to talk about. Oh yeah, and if you're and if you're a preacher or a teacher or uh, someone who shares stuff, you know, it's almost become a pejorative term, hellfire and brimstone preacher. Right. You know, it, that's almost a pejorative term. So don't dare mention a commandment because you will be labeled hellfire and brimstone, which means the modern mind will shut you out and won't want to listen to you because you are no longer relevant. Mm. <laughs> you know? So, so there you get, you get pushed out. So, so we have this darkness and Jesus comes who is the light. So what do they do? Now it's God's plan. God designed for his son to be the sacrifice and the son willfully and willingly comes to become the sacrifice. So, this is God's deal, but from the perspective of the darkness, what does the darkness do? The darkness kills him. Why? Because he turned the light on. Yeah. He, he, he turned the light on the corruption of the, of the religious system. He turned the light on the corruption of the political system. He turned the light on which was his most damnable heresy to the world. He turned the light on the human heart. Now, do you remember what they? Well, that's that's another. Do you remember what the Bible said about? Don't you hate it when people do that? Because yeah, oh yeah, sure, I can read. You, I can read. You, I can read your mind. Yeah, I get that. But one of the things in relation to this that the Bible says, or that the the religious leader said about Jesus, he has a demon. Yeah, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. The guy who dared to besmirch the name of the guardians of our darkness. He's, he must have a demon. These things that he's doing, why? Well, because it makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. It, it causes a cognitive dissonance in my mind. It causes heartburn, and I mean that in, an, in, in a spiritual sense. It causes heartburn in my heart. It causes conviction in the pit of my stomach. I don't like that. I don't like that. Shut it off, turn it away. And, and to what you said earlier about certain churches and certain contexts like that, um, silence that. And here's how I silence that in America. I'll just go down the street. You know, I'll just flip the dial. I don't I don't want to hear that. I'll just find me another one. Life is tough. The world is <laughs> the world is cruel. It's it's a hard life. So man, I I, I like Jen Saki. She can flirt with those little reporters and it just all seems nice. And, you know, I mean, who cares that thousands of people are losing their jobs, that more babies will be aborted, not just in America, but across the world. Who cares that there's going to be even more gender confusion among our young people who are growing up, which will, which will eat even deeper at the fiber of our family. Who cares? Jen Psaki and the reporters are being so sweet to each other. And that's what we need in America. Don't touch the guardians of our darkness. Let me doze off and go back to sleep and let this nice light shine. And somebody will pay the piper later. And so they killed Jesus. They think they killed Jesus, right? Right. Shut off the light. But what happens? The light wins. I think a great reason for us to be optimistic now is that while we may get frustrated with those things, we need to remember that the light wins. The light is greater than the darkness. Um, you know, we talked about, and I think, again, this podcast will be put up today, 
that it just takes a little bit of light. Or maybe this is one that was a couple of weeks ago. Just such a little bit of light to break the darkness. So God, not Donald Trump, God brought the light to who we are as Americans in a very real way through COVID, through all the politics, through big business, big tech, all, all of the stuff that has happened. God, I believe, has shined a light. They can't turn it off. They can't silence us ultimately. We have the message of the gospel. We have the light. So we carry that out, and that wins. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that message. Let's talk about the gospel. I don't know that we've ever really... I don't want to get too far ahead. Did you have somewhere else? No, you want no, to go? no. Go ahead. Let's end this this episode. Let's talk for a minute about the gospel. I don't know that we've done that really in some of our other episodes. So, anytime you got an opportunity, it obviously has come up today. So let's let's end this talking specifically. What is the gospel? Absolutely, God. You start there. So many modern presentations start with man, right? Because in the view of mankind and the Americanized Christianity, it's all about man. He's the center of the universe. But the gospel starts with God. We have this incredibly powerful, magnificent, timeless, eternal God who is also perfectly pure and sinless. He is without blemish, and he is right in everything that he does. The Bible uses the term holy, so he is, he is without blemish, without mark. He is totally other than. He's not us, right? So now you have us. <laughs> what are we? We are creatures of clay driven by our lust, uh, bent on self-determination and all of those things. Uh, in the ultimate expression in the garden, God creates man to have a perfect and pure relationship with him, and he gives him one directive. One, and, and people say, well, you got one rule, and it's all about rules, isn't it? No. That was one opportunity to demonstrate devotion and love beyond everything else. And what did man do? He sinned because in our flesh we are direct, self-directed and all that. So you have this perfect God and you have this flawed man. Not only is this man flawed, this man is rebellious toward God. The heart of sin is pride, the pride of the devil. I will exalt myself. I'll be like God. I'll make my decisions. I'll do me. Well, what that does is it leads us to break his laws. He's given us this picture in his laws of his character, who he is and what he's like. Uh, when the Bible says, thou shalt not lie, that means we have a God of perfect integrity. When it says, thou shalt not lust, that means we have a God of, of perfect faithfulness. And, and on and on and on. So those are reflections of his character. Well, when we, when we lie, when we steal, when we lust, when we break his laws in his heart, uh, we are we are offending his character, not just breaking some arbitrary rule. So you have this mankind who who is an affront to this God, this God who created him, loved him, gave him life and joy and everything that we experience. And instead of embracing this God and falling before this God in worship and honor, what do we do? We want to do our we want to do us, yeah. and so we rebel against this God. We break his laws and break his heart. So because of that. We deserve to be punished. We deserve separation. This perfectly holy God cannot have in his presence, ultimately, imperfect, unholy, wretched things. Right. So now we've got a dilemma. 
We've got lawbreakers, and people say, "Well, okay, so I'll, I'll, but I'm a good person. I'll try to do some." Well, no, you're not good. You've broken the law. You've broken the Ten Commandments in thought, in word, and in deed, because God looks at all those. He just doesn't look at the things we do. Okay, well then I'll be religious. Well, if you could be religious, if you could burn enough candles, rub enough beads, or uh, get baptized enough times, or give enough money. Jesus would have never had to die. The fact that Jesus comes to die proves that none of those things are sufficient to pay the penalty that uh, our sin against an eternal God is worthy of. So Jesus comes. God in the flesh, the perfect one who can perfectly fulfill the law, perfectly uh, express the character and content of God, and who is totally without sin. So what does he do? It's as if we're standing before God in the courtroom of all eternity, and I'll use me. So God says, buddy, you're guilty. I stand before him, and he says, you're guilty. Here are the charges. You've lied. You've used my name disrespectfully. You've lusted. Uh, you've coveted. You've done all of these things. You've desired to live your own way apart from me, and because of that, you have broken my laws and my heart. You're guilty. You deserve death. And, and that law has silenced my mouth. If I'm, a, if I'm reasonable about it at all, that law, I, I, can't, I can't argue that. Yeah. So I stand there by the law, broken, because there's nothing I can do. My mouth, has been, my mouth of, of refusing to believe it or to buy it has been closed by the stark reality of the law. But that law has also done something else. That law has taught me of my great need. It has tutored me toward Christ. So Christ steps into this courtroom and he says, wait a minute, I'll pay his fine. He has an eternal debt that he cannot pay. I will die on the cross. I'll provide my blood to pay that debt. What an incredible thing that the perfect sinless lamb would say, I will look at that wretched creature who deserves nothing but eternal punishment, and I will take that punishment upon myself. He who knew no sin, becoming sin for us to provide something, the righteousness of God in him. So here's what the Bible tells us, and this is one of the most key, this is probably everybody agrees with that, and here's what I find to be the linchpin in American Christianity. For that to be accounted to me, the Bible says that I must turn away from my sin and myself, repent, turn away from my sin and myself, die. The Bible uses very stark language, die to it, uh, and turn toward Christ. In other words, surrender my life to him. It is not just an affirmation that it's true. It's not just conforming to some kind of set of doctrines or going through some religious rituals. It's not about really being serious about not wanting to go to hell and go to heaven, and it's not about asking Jesus into my heart. It's about a total brokenness at the thought of my sin, a, a, a total amazement at the grace of a God who would die in my place to the point that I willfully reject me. I, I, I've come to the point that I hate the old me when I realize what I have done in the face of this God and what this God has done for me. So I hate the old me, and I come willingly excitedly, exuberantly at the foot of this God. And I say, here's my life, blank check. Do with me what you will. And the Bible says in that moment that when we turn and we trust our lives to Christ, we surrender, that he changes our hearts. 
the way that I know that I'm saved is not that when I was seven years old, I went down front, prayed a prayer, got dunked, got the certificate, and mama kept my baptism clothes in a plastic Ziploc bag for all the rest of eternity. The way that I know that I'm saved is that my life will reflect it because if my heart has been changed, it will want different things. It will want to pray. It will want to read the Word. It will want to be gathered with God's people. It will freely want to share the message that this God loves so much that He came and died in our place. It will want to tell other people about that. So that's how I will know. Not that not that someday I can, you know, many people have been counseled like this. Well, I'm kind of doubting my salvation. Well, was there a time that you were saved? Unfortunately, it's even worse than that. Some of them, where were you baptized? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was baptized four times. <laughs> uh, do you remember that time that you were saved? And parents and pastors and People will say, well, if you can remember that time, did you really mean it? Yeah, I really meant it. Oh, well, you're okay then. That's just the devil trying to make you doubt, which has always been an amazing thing to me because if I'm the devil, I'm not going to try to make somebody doubt because if, if they're, uh, <laughs> you know, then they might actually really get saved. Yeah. I want, I want them to be inoculated toward the real thing. So, now there's that's a lot, and there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you come at that depending on who you're talking to. Uh, so let's boil it down. You've got a holy God who is righteous and pure, and who will judge sin. Yep, that's that's the most loving thing He can do is judge sin. You have a sinful man who desires to live his own way, and because he desires to live his own way, he breaks God's rules. Yeah, he breaks the rules of an eternal God. So therefore, he deserves eternal punishment. Now he's in a dilemma because a finite man of flesh can never pay an eternal fine before a holy and perfect God. So what has to happen? This God takes upon himself by sending his own son who is perfect and who is capable of paying the debt and who willfully pays it, sheds his own blood on the cross, is despised and cast out by man by the darkness and who offers to man, if you will turn away from your sin and you will by faith trust your life, surrender your life to me, I will give you a new heart, forgiveness, and love like you've never known. And so the Bible tells us this. Do you have to pray a prayer? So much debate over that. Uh, Do you have to have this formulaic prayer? Absolutely not. But there should be at least a prayer of the heart. God, I realize my wretchedness. I deserve separation. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you loved me that much when I was a sinner, that you died in my place. And so, God, I will turn away from myself and my sin, and I will give my life to you. And the Bible says in that moment, your heart is changed. You are given new hope, new life, and you are made a brand new creature. All that is old is passed away. Behold, everything has been made new. And it sets you on a course, not of perfection, not of sinless perfection, but a passionate pursuit of the God who saved you and loved you. Yeah. Um, that's the message 2,000 years ago. Jesus came. People didn't want to hear the message. They, they preferred the dark. Here we are, 2,000, and that was the answer, Yeah, right? 2,000 years ago, Jesus brought the answer. Right. Here we are, 
jump ahead 2000. People prefer the dark. I don't want to see reality, but that's still today. That's the answer is a changed heart. Be reconciled to God. Uh, Exactly. And that will never change. Right. They'll never change until, well, it won't even change in eternity. We'll just celebrate it a different way. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll just celebrate it differently. So, yeah, so uh, to bring that full circle, here's the danger. So we have in our culture this this lifestyle being exacerbated and modeled uh, as long as it appears to be light. It's okay. Don't worry about the darkness swirling underneath. It all seems nice. And in American Christianity, there's a lot of that too. If it seems nice, if it seems light, then it must be okay. But unless you get to the heart of sin, repentance, and surrender, you have nothing. Yeah. Well, it's always good to end a conversation talking about the greatest news mankind has ever heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's been good hanging out with you today, friend. Good being here. Sunshine on a cloudy day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's getting foggy out there. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, we'll call it a wrap on this today. And um, again, just a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, we ask that you'd share it. Even go ahead. Uh, I don't know if you're if you find us on Spotify, Apple Music, some other means. Uh, take the time to subscribe. Take the time to maybe even give us a review. Uh, if you hate it, let us know. If you no, love it, no, let us know. no, no, no. If you <laughs> we hate don't want to know. That's if you right. hate it, keep it to yourself. Didn't your mother teach you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. But we 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 hope you uh, enjoy this podcast. It's you know it. It certainly is uh, our desire that God be honored, glorified, and that uh, we uh, this be a vehicle for people to 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 know Him better. We kind of it's a different vehicle, yep. you know, but uh, nice, that I absolutely is the goal. So, well, thanks again, and uh, we hope you'll check us out next time on Dead Men Talking. <laughs>